Welcome back, guys. I don't even know what podcast number this is. We've done loads now. Um, 39. 39, 38. <laughs> we're nearly at 40, which is, which is pretty cool. Mm. Uh, and this week, we've got a really cool guest, Michael. Michael, Mike, Mitch. Michael, Mitch, Mike. Thank you for coming. You're welcome. It's really <laughs> nice to be here. Thanks, mate. <laughs> so, uh, yes. So how did this come about, Caleb? Michael, you had posted a, I don't know, you guys had a gig or something coming up. Yeah, yeah. And you put it in, I think it was Americans in Norway. Hmm. And I saw that, and then I took, I uh, streamed some music that you guys have, uh, Spotify or Tidal, I don't remember which. We're on both. Yeah? We're on both. I always wonder, like... <laughs> <laughs> So that's how it came to be. But uh, tangent time, uh, I guess already. I always wonder, like, which one pays better for an artist? Now that you should is wonder the, that as podcasters. I mean, that is the question. Title has a smaller listenership, and they have a larger. Um, they they pay more per stream. Mm. Spotify has a much larger listenership, and they pay less per stream. Mm. Yeah. So that's uh, work that out. Yeah, <laughs> we can say six one way, half a dozen the other. We can but, say that but it is fractions of a penny. I mm. think five thousand streams is twenty dollars, twenty US dollars. Jesus. Wow. Um, but but anyway, that that thing isn't really for making money. Anyways, I think of it more as like uh, an extremely convenient business card. Uh, it it is nice for people to be able to access your music if you had to, for example, mail demo tapes to people that would potentially book you. If they had no way of accessing your music other than going to a record store that you had distributed a disc to or something like that, or you had to mail them, things would happen at a higher cost and, uh, and also at a slower rate. So I think that if you don't think about just the money aspect of it, if you think of it as a tool mm. that, uh, that provides a service that wasn't previously available, I think it's totally acceptable. Uh, but I know that's a controversial thing to say anyways. But no one's really making money from Spotify that, that isn't already making money from lots of other things anyways. True. We make most of our money from playing gigs. Yeah, I think, I think that's a good way of looking at it because if you look at it as an income, it's like you're going to be waiting a long time. Right. If you look at it as a platform to get your stuff out there mm, and, exposure, and, and yeah. exposure, um, kind of like we do with our podcast. I, I feel that a lot of our listens come from Spotify. Mm-hmm. So it, it's one of the, the places that we kind of share the most as well. Yeah. So it, it, if you use it as that kind of platform, then yeah, I feel it's it, it kind of has a purpose there. It's not it's a it's a non-gainful revenue stream that leads to gainful revenue streams. So like mm-hmm. if you just focus on it in and of itself, it's it's a bummer. But if you other avenues as, would would come from that. Yeah, yeah. You if hope. you want to think of it in just purely business sense, mm-hmm. like you can't really function that well uh, in like the modern music environment without you know if you're just chatting with someone on the bus and they say, oh, well, can, can I hear your band on Spotify? It's easier to just say yes than saying, yeah, you can hear us on this thing called Bandcamp. <laughs> or it's like when you yeah. try and explain to something, to someone where most, you know, nine out of 10 people have Spotify and it's just, everyone, if everyone has it, can I search it there? Yeah, there you go. It's, yeah. it's just, it's like a, just a stamp. There you go. Bang. Yeah. Like, if you've got to send them out, okay, you've got to click on this link, you've got to go here, you've got to do this, you've got to download that. It's like, yeah. hey, I'm trying to help you out. I'm trying to listen. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, it's kind of easier Spotify, I guess. Yeah. Back to uh, how we came How do we to- get there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> welcome well, to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Thanks for coming, we, We've thought about having shirts made uh, tangent time on the podcast. Yeah. We do it all the time. That's part of the fun. 
But it, that, so that's how it, it came actually to reminds be. me of something. Sorry, <laughs> join in by all means. That's how it came to be, and um, yeah. So I reached out to Michael and I said, "Hey, man, here, here's the lowdown on us. You guys want to chat?" And he said, "Sure." So here we are. Here we are. But uh, yeah, so American guy, where are you from in the U.S.? I was uh, born and mostly raised in California. We lived up and down the West Coast growing up. Mostly California. And then I did a master's in uh, New York and then moved here. So mm-hmm. mostly, mostly West Coast, Northern oh. California, like, uh, in between, um, uh, Fresno and Sacramento. Modesto area, maybe? Almost. Turlock? Turlock. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm so, uh, so sorry for you that you knew, uh, <laughs> the geography so specifically. <laughs> well, the, uh, the backstory there is I, I worked for, um, traveling tank crew they're based out of northeast oklahoma okay when i was uh, in university okay so summer breaks um winter breaks sometimes i would go out on like punch list crews yeah or in this case i spent most of the summer in roseville which is a that's where i was born are you serious yeah i was born in roseville so there's a power plant there this is i don't know 10 years ago or more 12 years ago uh we built the so the company i worked for built uh, steel bolted jacked tanks like we would build okay. them a ring at a time yeah. and then using these big hydraulic jacks all around the tank jack it up a level yeah. put another you know so you're building from the ground up these tanks would eventually you know, be used as silos or water or- in this case yeah exactly they yeah. were water storage i think as part okay. of like the cooling system but nice. so i was out there in roseville and of course going there from northeast oklahoma you drive through Bakersfield and up through these parts of California. Mm. And then one weekend we did, because when you're out there, you know, you're traveling. If they call and say, hey, we've got this other project. The crew already left. It's near you. Do you want double time? It's like, I'm just, what am I going to, I'm going to be watching TV in the hotel on Saturday. So of course I will. (laughs) Watching TV for free. So yeah, I'll take, you know, so we went on this little uh, kind of side project thing one weekend. Uh, I don't remember the name of the little town, but it was this feedlot. Uh, we had to do a punch list on a tank there somewhere near Fresno, though. So, and then this Close. was over like 4th of July. Uh, so then we were near Folsom at like a, yeah. a rodeo for the 4th of July celebration. So that summer, like there for about a month and a half, I spent quite a bit of time in that area. But it's, it's kind of fun explaining that whole Central Valley to Norwegians because, uh, <laughs> Because probably have like, to do it how a lot. Do you, so how do you, this is something that I kind of struggle with as well. And it might be a bit easier for me than it is for you yeah. to explain, yeah, so where you come from? Is that near, is that near LA? <laughs> or it's like straight in. I'm, I'm fortunate that I'm straight in from, from, uh, from San Francisco. Okay. So that's like, I can just say it's in on there. But the funny thing is that it's, uh, I can be like, it's a really big valley, which in Norway, valleys are like a, a huge feature i mean so many of the everything's end with dull which mm-hmm. means valley so it's like uh, if you're like it's a huge valley and you it takes 10 hours to drive from the top to the bottom and like you know already they're like what the heck that's crazy <laughs> that's the hugest valley ever and it, it really is it's a giant flat bottomed valley that takes it's like two hours across the middle and 10 hours top to bottom but it's it's yeah. funny because it's a it's an exaggerated version of a very common geographical landform here in. Isn't <laughs> yeah. just yeah, so it's, yeah. You get that uh, that that topographical wonderment in their eyes, you know, like <laughs> when you when you're in it, it almost seems flat because it's so massive. Yeah, and it's so it's um, 
bread basket's not the right word because there's actually, I don't think very much grains are grown there, but almonds and I just all kinds yeah. of uh, produce are grown in that particular part of ketchup. California. Yeah. All the Mater freighters that, uh, Mater that, freighters. that are rolling. Yeah. Those are the open, open back, uh, semi trucks that have these. They're, they're not tomatoes for eating because they're super hard. So like when they roll off the trucks, they actually just roll like stones they don't squash squash (laughs) because they have to be tough enough that the ones on the bottom don't get crushed by the ones on the top of course and they're in these open back trucks uh going from like los banos area up to uh, modesto where they have a big uh big uh, ketchup bottling plant (laughs) so we call those the mater freighters and the mother load which is the name for the area the uh the 209 area code and the and the 916 area code all this useful information for me here living in Oslo. Of course. While, while yeah. we're on that, let, let me test you here a little bit. Is this a different type of tomato or are they just picking it or harvesting it when it before it's ripened? You know oh, I mean? that's a great question. I don't know. My understanding was that it was an actually different type of tomato that was kind of engineered for that for that purpose, but it could, it oh, wow. could, may as well be that as well. I'd, mm. uh, Genetically modified. I'm, I'm just stronger. a casual freeway observer. Like, <laughs> you know, you need something to speculate on when you're bored in the car. So why not the, uh, the, these the tomatoes? tomatoes you, want to, uh, you want to swerve for these tomatoes. Yeah. <laughs> They're going to put your windscreen out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or at least flip the car. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's a common thing, you know, even, you know, growing up in Missouri, kind of the Midwest, more like the Mid-South, but we're used to a lot of farm ground driving along, right? But even from that background or that perspective, when we drove up through there, it was astonishing, you know, just how much and flowers and stuff too. It was really weird because mm-hmm. I'm used to, I guess you could say, a very homogenous uh, row crop. It's going to be corn, soybean, corn, soybean, just as far as you can see. Yeah. Know? California is really cool. I remember you, you know, you could drive in one particular stretch and see so many different things being grown. It's a, it's a yeah. lot more diversified there. But as I understand it, it's also like a lot more water right like uh irrigation it has to be brought in to facilitate all this and stuff so, the, so. the main street of my town in turlock was called uh well it's not one of the one of the mainest of the main streets is called canal street and okay. guess what runs down the middle of it yeah <laughs> irrigation yeah. canal there are all these great uh, summer campaigns for not swimming in the canals because it's very dangerous <laughs> yeah uh, mm. but it gets so hot there that of course the idea crosses people's minds so if you want to hop in a car and drive to the beach, how far are you? You know, help us put that in perspective. Because right. that's what everybody thinks of. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, California must be all Hollywood right. beaches and stuff. Uh, no, hour and a half, two hours. Okay. But uh, you have to drive further to get to a nice beach. <laughs> it's not like uh, once you're – even from like a couple hours south of San Francisco, it's not like that great to be on the beach, I feel like. I just think of like the further north you get on the West Coast, just windier, rockier. <laughs> there were some nice uh, beaches where I went to college up in Humboldt, but like it's still cold, windy, uh, giant sharks in the water. Yeah, you want to avoid that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> Generally. Generally. <laughs> Not exactly like idyllic, uh, picturesque uh, yeah. beach chill time. That, uh, Yeah. So we've gone from California, now you're in... Norway. Yeah. When did you move and why? I um I did a master's degree uh, in music composition in New York. So I was there for about three and a half years. And then when I was there, I met a Norwegian girl. Um, we had a long distance relationship for a bit. And then I moved here uh, three years ago. Um, so so I moved. I, I had uh, it wasn't like full on culture shock. It was like 
small culture shock gradually and, and then a uh, yeah mm. a larger culture shock but would have been more culturally shocking to uh, go to some other place in the world i can think of a few places i guess had you been outside the u.s much beforehand no i got my passport to visit her so oh, it was yeah. like a yeah. baptism by fire kind of thing. Oh, yeah, it's but, quite. A, I would say Norway is quite an interesting country to come as your first country out of the US. <laughs> yeah, in terms of in in terms of like European countries, I mean. Yeah. Because um, yeah, it's it's a it's it's a different country to certainly. It's okay to visit, but like to move here, I think it's a can be like a tough place to to come at the start for just speaking from my own experiences you know it's it's a bit bizarre in the sense that like you know some things you can you can trick your brain into thinking that your home i mean english literacy uh is extremely high the Mm -hmm. the prevalence of english in daily life in norway is is like uh, worth mentioning and so all those things are there but at the same time for a european country it's very kind of non-continental in a way i feel like it's uh very different from Denmark or even Sweden in the sense that it's... Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah. I completely agree in terms of the two cities, comparing kind of capital cities in Scandinavia, Oslo is very different to Copenhagen. Yeah. I feel Copenhagen has got much more of like a European, Amsterdam-y kind of Holland feel, I think, as, as could to compare it to somewhere else. Yeah, Oslo doesn't really have that anywhere else. It's kind of its own... Yeah. kind of place which is not a bad thing i i, I think no it's just certainly it's just just different it's a so niche it's, uh, it is a niche place and yeah. you know <laughs> when you're moving somewhere else it's a it's a bit of a shock mm. the language thing is fair to point out you know you you cross somebody on the street and you need help with something nine times out of ten they'll be able to help you in english that's important yeah. if you're visiting and in the last few years Norway has kind of, at least from my perspective, is actually on the radar for U.S. tourists. You know, yeah. United, in fact, picked up uh, Newark direct flights to Bergen on the West Coast, which is relatively small city when you look at uh, an international carrier flying transatlantic. You yeah. know, so so that speaks to the level of tourism kind of picking up here. So it's helpful in that way. It's very very international when it comes to language. I feel uh-huh. like. You go to, whether it's the tax agency or UDI's website, most of them have an option for bookmall, Nynorsk, or yeah. English. You know, it's, it's that level of integration. So props to them there. We've talked about this on the podcast before. The downside to that is, you know, my, my working language is in English. Yeah. You know, and if you combo that up with the ready, readily available Norwegians who would love to practice their English with you instead of help you <laughs> yeah. practice your Norwegian. It can be kind of a crutch, you know, and so it, it, we have to really push ourselves, I think, to immerse in the culture. But, yeah. um, you know, it sounds like you yeah. did that when you got here, landed in, was it so 2019? Yeah, August of 2019. 2019. Okay. Mm-hmm. You got in and you formed a band pretty early on, right? Yeah, in September of 2019. So a month. Right away. Sweet. Yeah. So tell us about that. How did that yeah. come about? Um, I just was like, um, I, the, the, the woman that I moved here for, she was really kind of, uh, pressing home the point that I need to have things in mind to do when I get here. Okay. And, uh, uh, so I, I had to kind of think about that in more specific terms. And that uh, meant like, uh, I met an Icelandic guy at a jam in New York and he told me that there was this thing called a uh, Norsk Burgrass Forum, 
So that's the Norwegian Bluegrass Forum. So I just uh, joined that. Uh, there was a Polish guy saying, I'm going to be in town. Does anyone want to jam? Put a little comment on that. And then I got a direct message from my now banjo player, uh, Mikard. Uh, and he said, uh, when you're coming to town, you know, do you want to meet up and play? So, so yeah, we did that. I met him before I moved here. Um, so I knew that there were people to play with, but I never, I didn't get any more specific than that. I mean, I, when I moved to New York, I didn't even look at a map of the city. I just loaded a suitcase and got off the plane and then got confused. You know? <laughs> so that's kind of my style in a way. <laughs> Sounds, uh, we'll uh, cross that bridge when we get there. Then to Yeah. Cross that bridge when it's burning. As I say. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so I came here and, um, and I, I've always written music, but I don't think I really had a clear avenue for uh, kind of putting it out in the world and uh, at a the level of quality that I was really happy with until I met these guys. And so we started playing and they, I caught them right at the right time. They were in between things, you know, in between playing a lot with this band and just graduated from school in the case of the guitarist. and um, Or yeah, that he was coming into his last year, but he had like a, a down period. Um, so yeah, so then I just started showing them the songs and then we recorded the album in january of of 2020 but i had a lot of the the music some of it was already written some of it i just was so juiced about having a like wow that's great this stuff is sounding good these guys are able to play the songs they're arranging it in such a nice way that i just kept writing kept going and so that all came together super fast and Mm. um and uh yeah and now we actually just finished recording our third album uh which we'll put out in a year and so it just, uh, if I have an That's avenue awesome. to, to pump that stuff into, then, then it's, uh, then I, I kind of don't have trouble motivating myself because yeah. the, the, the end product is so alluring because I know it'll be so good that, uh, yeah, it's easy to just kind of get through that, uh, threshold mile <laughs> as they, uh, mm-hmm. the, the, the Norwegian expression, um, which is that it's like hard to get out your front door and everything after that's easy. Mm-hmm. So getting past that in terms mm-hmm. of writing and the, the musical aspects and stuff. So yeah. yeah taking the first step. And, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But I play, I play fiddle and, uh, fiddles an, an important cultural instrument and especially in folk music in Norway. And mm-hmm. so, uh, just kind of met, met some of the right people in terms of, like getting to know the folk music community and, and, uh, and that helped me out a lot. And then I was interacting with people that come from different rural places in Norway that speak really, really strong dialects that were happy to kind of not have conversations in English. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so that, so how did that go? <laughs> it was, it was hard at first and just like being exposed to anything. It's uncomfortable, but, uh, if you're able to, to set, small goals and not get overwhelmed by all of the stuff that you have to do, but just focus on the thing that's closest to you, then you can kind of, I think because I like music so much, it was easy for me to maintain that balance for long periods of time. I did have some periods where I didn't really learn anything, you know, <laughs> but, um, but it was nice. I could stay up on the rope for a second, you know, and that was an exhilarating, you know, thing too. So, so yeah, it was all right. And, um, there were a lot of really, you know, none of the musicians were touring because of Corona. Of so, uh, so everyone was in town and they wanted to interact and they wanted to play music. So I just got to meet all of these really great fiddle players, uh, in a really short period of time. And, uh, in a way that it's really hard to do now, 
now that everyone's back on the road or moved out of town or that kind of thing. So I just I feel like I really was so fortunate, uh, in, in especially in a time when there was so much bad stuff happening. Yeah. Um, so I but I got to learn a lot of tunes and meet a lot of people and. Yeah, so the um, shutdown would have been, what, about six months after you got here? Yeah. Something like that. We yeah. plunged into the uh, abyss the pandemic is known as, I guess. Yeah. But, so uh, backing up to New York then, before yeah. you moved here, did you move after graduation kind of thing, or did you have a band and some stuff going on there? I, g- I, I gigged around in the city and stuff. Okay. I was That was like, uh, you know, like two triangles facing the other direction kind of thing like started studying and then i finished but i was getting kind of worn out on the classical composition stuff and then about that time i was starting to kind of ramp up with uh with gigging and stuff so then i was actually playing with a grateful dead cover band that did like the string band music of jerry garcia okay kind of more focused on like old in the way pizza tapes we did string band arrangements of some of the popular grateful dead repertoire but uh, I love that kind of, I love kind of string, of like string covers, like yeah. some of my favorite music to listen to when I'm just like chilling out at home. Just yeah. like string, like covers of kind of even just hits, but also kind of just classic rock songs as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. I that was it. such a, like, do you know Iron, what is it called? Iron Horse? No, they did like okay. a, the Picking On series. Yeah. So they'd okay. like Picking mm. On Coldplay or, or strumming with the devil like these yeah. are all mm. like uh that that it's kind of a concept you have like a of, like yeah. a bluegrass band for example and they they do covers of it i love that stuff but it's it's like uh this is genre in itself you know unpretentious easy listening music okay. i guess you know yeah. like you're like on a an elevator listening to that but like the elevator's <laughs> operated by someone pulling a rope like <laughs> <laughs> We're not taking it. ourselves too seriously here. Let's <laughs> just see how I am trying to relax, but like, <laughs> still the job. Yeah. Mm. On uh, while you're in New York, yeah. Right? Tell us a little bit about that, if you don't mind. As far as the application process, were you able to file everything for your visa? Was yeah. that done in New York? No, it wasn't. So, I mean, it was kind of my my pathway was started with a 90 day tourist visa. Then we went to um, engagement visa, and then from there to um, family uh, immigration. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of, it felt like things were kind of on a fast track for us, and and um, and it was, um, yeah, the whole the whole thing was accelerated by by Corona. Um, mm. that, that there were just kind of less options and we weren't certain about what to do, uh, my, my then partner and I. And, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I applied here. I, we started from the, the 90 day tourist visa and then went from that to, um, and then also in the sort of beginning of the, the sort of genesis of the, the, the corona confusion and stuff from March 2020. There were a lot of exceptions and, and extensions and stuff offered by UDI, which is the immigration department of Norway. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, but, uh, there were a lot of, uh, I mean, things that were really close, uh, as in like, uh, there's an income requirement for your spouse, uh, that is, uh, and it's very different if like, if you're immigrating to Norway with, uh, um, when your partner is a, currently holding a skilled worker permit, for example, versus they're a, a Norwegian citizen. 
the income requirement. That's that's come up before, and we've talked about that. That has. You know, in the U.S., there's something very similar. Like uh, in, in, if the if the roles were reversed, kind of yeah. thing. There's a requirement. Is there one like that in the U.K.? I believe there is. Um, the only knowledge of this uh, I have is that when I was working with a, a colleague, uh, a mate of mine, uh, and his wife was from the US and he he's from the UK um and there was just this whole process to get her to to move to the UK mm-hmm. they were they were literally married and she didn't have permission to go to the UK in terms of his earnings and there was just all of these hurdles that they had to cover it's turned out okay she's there now i don't know the ins and outs of the details but i do know there is the same kind of the hurdles yeah. that you have to overcome. Yeah, it's a, I think, um, uh, quite a common thing. I believe wherever so. Wherever you're going, but. I believe so. I mean, it's yeah. like a, a nation's a boat, and if you're going to put another person on the boat, they either have to row for themselves, someone needs to row for them, or they need to swim, kind of a thing. It's yeah, like it's, I, on a very mm-hmm. practical sense, but it's that's very brutal. Yeah, yeah, I understand. I do understand the kind of the mechanism, the mechanism anyways. behind yeah. it, the idea. Yeah, um, often can be seen as a little bit harsh. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're kind of putting place these, these kind of mm. securities for a reason, you know. You know, when I first moved in 2018, going through a, a similar kind of process, uh, I started thinking, you know, I like this blue passport uh, that has uh, the, uh, the U.S. Uh, on the right on the front of it. I yeah. like it. It's quite nice. It's a really strong passport. But man, depending on what you're wanting to, to do, an yeah. EU passport is money. You yeah. know, like it's... <laughs> You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah, uh, yeah that's and, been taken away from me. So don't talk to me about that. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, she's <laughs> still yeah, sore I mean, on that one. Yeah, uh, yeah. Pour I, one I out for I'll, our friend here. I'll <laughs> forever be sore of leaving the European Union, but uh, that's a different conversation. But yeah, yeah in terms of uh, having the the option of of getting a, a Norwegian passport at some point is quite for me quite uh, optimistic. That's further, true. Further down the line, in terms get, of you got that kick with the, the with Brexit, but then what? Like a year later, you you um, had some redemption, right? We all three did because then it became an option for us to be dual a, citizens a dual without citizen. having to renounce our home nation, right. which, which is, is quite a um, awesome. Yeah, you know, props to yeah. Norway for doing that. They're Absolutely. not the only country that does it, but it's not a very exhaustive list. Many countries you do have to renounce. Yeah, it would have been a really hard thing for me to do and I don't think I could have done it I straight up wouldn't have you know I, just, yeah, I like being here but I, I'm not going to I, yeah. I wouldn't want to take away my rights rights or kind of terms to responsibilities and all therein you know <laughs> although they can go <laughs> they've gone already but you know that would have been a very hard conversation to have with for myself sure. um, which no longer needs to take place which is quite cool Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, that for 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 people, kind of you guys and myself included as well. That's quite a nice thing to kind of have as an, an option to have further down the line, in terms of if you're thinking of staying here, yeah, and you're you're kind of thinking of being here pretty much for foreseeable future. You know, there is obviously a fee for it, but I, I think it's a no brainer for for mm-hmm. if you have the option to do it. I think it's a great thing. And mm-hmm. from what I've read, they've actually. There's still a delay, right? They uh, not only processing times due to the pandemic, and then this probably sheer caseload when this uh, law started allowing it. I'm sure there was just a huge That's uptick insane. of people like, applying. 
So they, they had that going on and that was slowing down like uh, citizenship applications. But then I was reading a few weeks ago or a month, month and a half, something like that. They've been having issues actually sourcing some of the like materials they need. I don't know, like paper or whatever, you know, to actually <laughs> make these passports. So there have been like two hurdles along this way. I mean, way. there's no shortage of tree, trees in Norway. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean. This isn't just like you go yeah. to Kinko's or Staples no, and pick yeah, up yeah, a pack of, of uh, A4, eight and a half by 11, depending on where you're at in the world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is like. Yeah, you're mixing references there. <laughs> <laughs> you have to, right? Yeah. But um, yeah. So yeah. these days it uh, seems to be. I don't know what the wait time is, five, six months, something like that, but it's getting a lot more reasonable. But uh, yeah, certainly, it's uh, good to have those options. One of the reasons I like being here, guys, is having mm. a lot more options. Yeah, certainly. You know, it's, uh, it's good in that way. Pluses and minuses, strikes and gutters, as we say. But So in terms of kind of moving here, what was your biggest culture shock, if there was one? Um, yeah, there's, you know, there's... I, in a way, it's it's a lot of small things with living in Norway. Uh, one of the first, I wouldn't call it shocking, but it was a moment that really kind of struck me. And it was that uh, I was going to meet, uh, I met up with that friend that played banjo, that plays a uh, uh, banjo in my band, Buster Sledge now. And, uh, and we were going to meet some people at a, a park. We we're going to play some music together. And we sort of ran into them at the park where we were planning to meet. And everyone just walked up to each other. And with the body language and the way that the conversation began between those involved parties, I thought these were some random people holding uh, instrument cases and stuff. I didn't think they were the people that we were planning on meeting because everyone just sort of approached each other, formed a little circle, and then everyone just kind of looked down and no one really said anything for what, for me, uh, an American having just moved from New York, felt like an eternity. It was maybe like a full 10 seconds of silence. And... And that happens all the time now, and it's very normal and, and that kind of a thing. But I think the if you want to make a sort of general, a, a sort of very, very generalized statement about kind of conversational habits in Scandinavia as a whole, but, you know, we're in Norway, so it, that it's, that there's less of a, there's less of a, a need in every individual to fill space. And that the act of filling space is one that you do because you really have something to say and you're going to get to it and everything is connected. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, you just start off right away, you just throw some words out and they throw some words back and you just start the, you know, spraying from the hip. Kind of con- conversation flow is a little bit different here. So we, I, yeah, 100% pacing. Absolutely. That. I completely agree. We had that before we started recording, we had the quick kind of chat about that. And it's like, it is a, an interesting thing. How do you have a conversation with a Norwegian? We've covered this before. Without mm. beer being involved, because it, right. it it's because uh, then it's all it, different. Then it's just like the UK. <laughs> but it's it is a something that I noticed here, and I one of I think one of my best qualities is that I can kind of talk to anyone, even Norwegians. Yeah. So I never struggled with that, luckily, but I do notice a difference in myself personally in how i am now i've mm. turned into a little bit of that yeah uh, that i'm a bit head down not looking yeah so it's it's a, it's a quite an interesting thing to notice when i go home because yeah, like, we talked oh, with God, uh, george now. about that on our yeah. last podcast a little bit we we kind of pick up some of that yeah, i'm gonna say that that's a positive you know i've caught myself sometimes 
being a little bit more reflective and slower to jump into a conversation, which would maybe it's a nice be, thing, you know, right? I yeah. feel like the, the one thing I can kind of take from that in the UK, we're we're just we're too chatty and we're too <laughs> like I come from a pretty not a small town, but uh, you know everyone kind of generally knows each other town where maybe 10,000 people, probably a bit less. And, you know, I love my mum to bits. She's awesome. But she is that. She's a hairdresser. She knows everyone. Hiya, how you doing? You're yeah. right. Hiya, yeah, Well, to be yeah, fair, yeah. that sounds like part of that's like a trade requirement. I think, I think in any I, culture, You know, that side, it probably is. She, you know. she does have a lot of clients. But generally, people are like that. Apart from my father, he's not like that. But, you know, that whole, <laughs> the complete opposite to... Yeah what the, it is to be in Norway so I, I feel like it's quite a nice thing to for mm. me you know I, I think something also to keep in mind too and uh, this is uh, just a an intuitive point but like you have personality spectrums and then you have the, the you know the culture that you know populates those personalities with stuff and it takes people that would be on this end of the spectrum and it maybe pushes them towards the center or that end of the spectrum maybe pushes them towards the center or brings them out towards the edges or something like that. So mm-hmm. like, you know, you can meet people in Norway that have the same conversational pacing as an, an like a, what you would call like an average American or something like that. Of course, you know, though it's not that like every single person in this entire country of 5 million people has the same, per- you know, that's, it's, it's just worth not, saying. Yeah. It's worth Paint no, everyone it's, with it's the same point. brush. We're, we're, yeah. yeah, you know, exactly. it's, it, this is, it's, it's such a vague generalization, mm. you know, and it, and it is a, you they, meet they, people that we aren't would like say that. that uh, you know, we would say that maybe they talk a little bit slower. They are wondering if we checked our guns before we came into the meeting room. Right, you yeah. Know, like it's, <laughs> and it's a joke it's, and it's, a, it's like it's, a substrate. It's a broad yeah. reference, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I've met some uh, very uh, outgoing Norwegians. Yeah. I know you two, you have as well, Sam. Absolutely. We've, we've had beers with some of them, you know. So. They exist. <laughs> yeah, exist. for sure, for sure. I'm together with one. Yeah. Know? So yeah, it's... it's yeah, I had a, actually, this past weekend, I was at... Um, working at a local market, a flea market, you know, to help raise money for a music corpse that my daughter's in. And there's a good example of that because there's three of us, you know, standing around in this assigned department to sell things. And I'm thinking, you know, two days standing around and I've got to communicate in Norwegian. Mm. That's not my strong point. Talking a lot is not my strong point either. <laughs> I'm really kind of dreading that. But then I got reminded, you know, coming out of it when I did it in the spring, I had the same uh, result or experience. This time was no different. There's less of this, like, need. And you kind of fall into this rhythm where it's like, we, you know, of course, we're conversational. They asked me several questions. We learned a lot about each other. But it wasn't uh, maybe so much as like force as it is if you go into some particular parts of the U.S. or the U.K. where it, it, you feel like you're kind of, you know, it's a bit more uh, the trains on the tracks and we've got to get it going kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's a lot more laid back, yeah, if I can yeah. say, you know. So for me, it was more enjoyable. But And that's, yeah. I think, a nice and important part of that because like the, the silence that you experience here, you can you can take that personally i think and that's what i think people Maybe, do yeah. when they have a negative attitude towards it they're sort of like it's if it's if you were to experience the same thing in the environment in which you grew up on it and grew up in it means something um negative it means that maybe people don't want to talk to you or they don't like you or they're thinking something negative oh they know something i don't know or maybe they think i'm you know that kind of a thing Could but be. here it's maybe just like uh 
that. And I think, I think it's like when you take your, your brain out of its, you know, indigenous, uh, you know, setting, like where it's the, the, you know, used to all of its environments and stuff, it can just trip out the sensory stuff that you have. Like you, you see this thing and it's not that thing that you think it is, but it feels like that thing. And then you have that feeling. And I, I just, I've kind of noticed that, I think, with some of my friends that I think have fostered some pretty negative <laughs> responses to some of those very, like, everyday experiences that you have. But, but yeah. I, certainly, it's certainly not in that nature at all. Yeah. Like, it's a nice it, thing. It, it's, yeah. I, mm. I actually, and I've, I've always had this because when you, if you don't like that thing, in the UK, you move to London because that doesn't happen. That whole <laughs> conversational feel is uh, completely, you just, you lose that in London and that's how it is. But then London is a bit more rude. I, I did um, see that a little bit when I was there for just a couple of days, yeah. August of last year. Of course, I went to the you, there ain't no had London talk. Pride. It was amazing. Bartender was good. Everything was good there, but it was different. You know, like even being on the, the tube, you know, and everything. It's just, oh, yeah. Uh, you know, I haven't been to New York City. But I got like I remember being there, like okay, so this is what it's like to be in like a real big city, you yeah. Know? <laughs> you know, yeah. like because I feel like in Oslo, it's even though it is a little bit more maybe uh, stereotyping to say, but a little <clears throat> bit more closed or whatever. Like we're talking about, I still feel like it's a bit more approachable. But there, I, yeah, I you think know? so. And um, yeah, it was. <laughs> I kind of like that. I've I've always liked that here. Yeah. Speaking of Oslo being like a nice uh, size of a city. I actually managed to invite the woman that I talked to on the phone that was, uh, I had asked some questions about the social studies test that you have to take here. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I managed to invite her to my gig <laughs> and no that, that, that was a very small town, uh, thing. And, but in, you know, that's the, that is the office for the, and that provides this service that all people in my situation need to get. So it's like, you know, you, Think that's that cool. Yeah, yeah it was kind of nice. It's cool. like you know, I don't remember the name of it, but yeah, mo- uh, we, you've taken it as well, right, Sam? What's that? The social studies exam. For- no, I haven't. Oh, not yet. No, okay. not yet. Uh, it's right I've in taken, line with the uh, Norskprove. I've taken the Norskprove. Well. Yeah, yeah. Mm. but I don't remember the name of that department. Something's good copy of it. Or the, the department? Yeah, uh, I just rolled off the tongue there. Voksenopplæring center. So sure. Service center. We're gonna we're gonna go with that. Yeah, I think that's what it is. It's like the the. Uh, adult, adult education, the adult uplearning, uplearning uh, <laughs> service center. <laughs> it, it, I, I, you say that, and they're like, "Okay, we're just, we'll just take this." In Norwegian, yeah. Norwegian is very literal language. I had this conversation the other day. It's like when you translate it, it's very literal. Okay, so so okay, so think of the word "survive" in English. It's mm. made of "sur" and "viva," right? Those are both Latin-based uh, word parts. And then in Norwegian, you have over leva, which is over and leva, which means live. And both the words over and leva are used by themselves in everyday speech. So you can mm-hmm. use them by themselves, you know, in different sentences and they have different meanings. But you put them together and they mean this thing, survive. Survive, however, we have both the words over and live in English. And we use those in maybe a lot of the same context as you would in Norwegian, except you can't put over live you, that doesn't really mean yeah. to survive that, no, yeah but they, survive those word parts in latin have basically the same meanings sir can mean over or around uh and then uh viva of course is the like uh like a vivacious or whatever you know you have that word part in other words but you can't take them apart and use them so 
the feeling that you have is that that is a word in and of itself, when in reality it's the same exact construction mm -hmm. as overleva, but the word parts come from a language that you know you don't use that kind of a thing in everyday speech. So it's it's kind of fun, I think, because uh, not only do you get to learn other word parts and stuff, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, Norwegian, it does use smaller parts of its own language to construct larger parts of the own language, but our, like, uh, you know, English is, you know, it's partially Latin, it's partially Old, uh, um, old Germanic and yeah. stuff, and partially Norse and stuff. It has so many of these different things in it. So that's, good observation. I, that's my, that's my hot take on hot Norwegian take being, yeah, they, they stick out to us, right? We, Sam and I have talked about that. You pointed out Runstikir was one. Yeah. Round pieces. Yeah. Here, here's another one I was talking to my daughters about this weekend, actually. Sommerfjord, uh, summer bird. Yeah. It's just ah. like, what? Uh, butterfly. Oh, that's a butterfly. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Butterfly. Duh. You know, like, so. <laughs> butter. Which fly. makes more sense. I mean, Flying I, butter. I'm kind of thinking that uh, summer bird, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Pretty true. Yeah. There are many of these. We can pull more out. I mean, it's, it's interesting. Like, language is a fantastic thing. I think Norwegian language is like, I don't, have you, how's it been learning the language for you? Oh, it's been really fun. I, I, but I just like, I've always wanted to be immersed in a language. I did Spanish when I was in high school, but like. I feel exactly the same. Uh, like, but, I had the same thing. Like, yeah. I, I always thought in the back of my mind, I would love to learn language. It would be the coolest thing yeah. to speak another language. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, but how am I going to learn this language? It's going to be so hard. And then learning Norwegian and then being told by, I think, the, the teacher that we had. Caleb, mm -hmm. that you are learning a, a secret language, Norwegian. It's secret because not many people speak it. And Ooh, you can, wow. Uh, yeah. Ooh, and, uh, yeah. I was pretty fancy way describing it. I was like, well, you can say that, but also, yeah, it's, it's a language that I'm going to learn, but not many people can speak it. So it's like... If everyone around okay. you knows the secret, does if it I, really feel yeah, like a secret? It's, exactly. It's, it's and if I ever leave secret, Norway, no? yeah, mm. it's going to really be a big secret, <laughs> secret for mm. well, me. Well, we've talked about that. Certain parts of uh, Minnesota, probably certain yeah. neighborhoods of Seattle, maybe. There, uh, certain cool. villages in uh, Sedan in the, in the south yeah, of Spain, yeah. probably. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You might be able to find a chance to But that to aside, it. it's a, how did it go? How do you... Did you start off as soon as you got off the plane? Did you kind of were you really motivated to learn? Uh, yeah, I started a bit before I moved here. I thought it was fun. I I, I remember that like um, there was a comment a friend of mine back in the states made when we were talking because they were like, "Oh, what does Norwegian sound like?" Oh, I hear some words, kind of that kind of thing. And then we started talking about Romance languages, and then they made a comment that was like, "Oh, well, all the Romance languages are just dialects of Latin." And I was like, "Oh." Well, that makes sense because all the Romance languages are spoken in places that used to be the Roman Empire, or or at least were well within the Roman Empire for the majority of the time in which it was in existence. Oh, that makes sense. Okay, cool. Language is history. And then I started applying that to learning Norwegian. And then I just, I think I like history and I like language and I play music. So it's kind of fun to imitate words and sounds. And I think all of it just kind of came together in a nice way. Awesome. And, um, and so, yeah, I had a good time and learned a lot of stuff and have friends that speak dialect and stuff. So it's like, can kind of see all kinds of little stories basically behind the words that are used in any language. And I think I just never saw that before. Mm. So 
kind of like the survive overleve thing. <laughs> yeah. It's like, sounds like you got here and well, even before you got here, but especially when you got here, you dove in and I had a lot of time where on I'm my going hands. To be. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you also, it wasn't just language, right? You, you were t- telling us before we started recording that you also started exploring almost immediately Norwegian music in different yeah. categories. Yeah. Can you tell I, us about that, what you saw and how you got sure, into that. Sure. Yeah. I met, um, at a bluegrass jam, this guy named Laffin Rosseberg. Um, uh, Olaf Christer, uh, Christer. And, uh, he's, uh, from Haugesund, which is on the west coast, kind of in between Stavanger and, uh, Bergen, for the non, uh, geographically <laughs> familiar with, uh, or even the geographical people, because there's a lot of places that I don't know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, he's a, he's a, a cool guy and, um, kind of has a lot of special musical interests, um, plays a lot of, uh, different Norwegian folk music and stuff. Um, but he also plays a lot of American, uh, traditional music as well. So he's like lived for a bit in, in Louisiana and plays Cajun fiddle, which is, uh, cool. Uh, there's a bunch of like Zydeco type stuff. Zydeco and Cajun. Uh, Zydeco is more accordion focused. Cajun Mm. is more fiddle focused. And so he, he plays those tunes and, um, he also plays some really mean, super good mandolin, um, for the enjoyers of the style, like, uh, uh, Dave McLaughlin from the Johnson Mountain Boys. He, he kind of really can get that sound really nicely. And, uh, and he's lived and, and kind of traveled around a lot in some of those places. And he also has gone down to Greece and likes like collecting tunes mm-hmm. and, uh, and also plays tunes from his region, Rugeland and, uh, which is not the, um, uh, region of Norway that the folk music has its folk music very largely represented in like, when people think of Norwegian folk music, they're mostly hearing music from places like Telemark and Valderis and Røros and stuff like that. A good one song. Um, so it's its own thing, kind of, and it really sounds a lot more like American folk. It's kind of, you, you really, there was, there were like a lot of, he was like a gateway drug into the whole scene for me, because not only did he introduce me to people, but he showed me Norwegian tunes that were, very much in the style here, but we're a nice kind of bridge over from what I already knew. And also, meanwhile, teaching me cool American tunes and, and it's been cool to discover him then. Yeah, I was, I mean, it was a godsend. It was great. Um, so I, I met him and then through that just started meeting all kinds of people that were hanging out at his house. And it was great. There were like parties where it'd be a circle of people, a lot of beer and people just passing a fiddle around. Oh, and cool. everyone like play a fiddle tune, <laughs> like a jam session of of sorts. Yeah, of sorts, mm. but but very social. People are talking, and other people, if they knew the tune, they'd pick up their fiddle and play. And so it was okay. very much about like trading tunes and and a really different pacing from like the bluegrass jams or the jazz jams that I'd participated in, and um, really like a nice combination of life with music. And people also are really good at doing the kind of traditional folk dances in the setting. So like. You really have like folk music in the wild, people hanging, dancing, playing fiddle and, and, um, talking and into the wee hours of the night kind of a thing. So it was, it was cool. I think I just, uh, felt very like, uh, um, it really made a big impression on me. It was like a thing that I think I always knew I wanted to see and, but not in explicit terms. And then, and then you like, yeah, it's just like that, uh, slight deja vu feeling like you 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 experience something and you're like okay this feels really good it feels right in a way mm-hmm. like i i fully approve of what i'm <laughs> experiencing and seeing and uh but not that it had ever been like oh this is what i'm looking for this is the type of experience i'm searching for that kind of a thing so 
Okay. Yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah, it Pretty. sounds like it was a bit of a surprise. You're not sure what we're getting into, but along the way you loved it, and now you're fully engrossed in it. Yeah, right? yeah. Or, you know, as I'm, I'm, you know, it's there's some stuff like some of the folk dance and stuff is super difficult um, and, and not like anything I've ever done. So, like, even though I show up sometimes to – they have, like, these uh, weekly things and or biweekly, fortnightly um, things in the, in the Oslo, like, Spenmanslag, which means kind of like playing person's team or whatever. Mm-hmm. But the, it's like you get together with your Hardingfella and a bunch of other people and there's a teacher and you just, like, learn tunes. And then you eventually either compete in Lundskopleiken, which is kind of like – yeah, like a – Slash, it's like competition slash concert slash hang that happens in a different place in Norway each year. Um, so you actually go with the whole team and compete there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't done that yet, but it's it's this is cool. Thing. You've met like a whole bunch of people from yeah, from, it's from awesome. This, this this is like uh, many people's kind of ideal after moving to Norway to to find like this this whole group of people to meet. Like it's it's incredibly cool. They're, they're available. I mean, it's like, uh, you can go to, um, like, I think the best thing that you can do is just like be kind of socially intelligent, if that makes sense. Like, uh, if you're able to just kind of show up, get excited about the thing, but not throw yourself in in a way that interferes with it and then kind of sneak in. <laughs> I mean, it's great to meet people and, uh, and to, I would say like actually showing up like, uh, in, in, try to hang out with people like musicians i think often like uh like you don't just like get a norwegian's number and be like hey do you want to hang out like at my house or something like that it's usually but like with musicians i think it often people actually do want to you to come to their practice room and 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 uh, shoot the breeze for a second and and that's kind of what i did and it's kind of the trial it's 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 less about like here's my cv this is what i've done can i play for you kind of thing it's like actually going out and being if yeah and being a nice person but also being interested in the music but also okay. being able to play and stuff so it's like a mixture of things and that's really the i think true anywhere but um i would say like don't go to another country looking for the things that you're familiar with because because mm. then you're just like living in this weird nostalgic hologram so and you might be disappointed if you don't find exactly how it was back home, you know, because things and, aren't always the same. And why would it be, you know, like it's, a different <laughs> it's actually a different point? country. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> things aren't always the same as what you used to when you moved. To I agree with you very much there. There are a few things, of course, that I can't remove from myself. Like, and it's the weird little things. It's just like, uh, you know, you is it like the Marmite and the tea for me like that? It, yeah. You know, I'm going to get real basic level for a second. Some of it's food, you know, like, but it's just like. You can, uh, outside of those few things, yeah, man, like we're here. We've got to embrace it. And yeah. there's a whole lot of reasons too, because it's wonderful. You know, Sam and I spend a lot of our time interacting and dealing with the expat community. Yeah. We love it. We think it's uh, quite big here. I, I think a lot of us are kind of off in our own little zones a little bit. It's one yeah. of the reasons we like doing the podcast is it kind of brings everybody around. We've got people like mm-hmm. yourself and people from other things. We don't know anybody in this crew, but it sounds like an awesome group to hang out with, you know. So it, it's really good to get out and do those things because um, it's really positive, man. And if you're going to be here and you don't, then you're probably going to have a negative go at it, you know. Why do that? Yeah, you know? <laughs> there's there's actually a there's a great it's a venue in town called Rikssenen, uh, Rix 
scenen <laughs> riksscenen uh, that's uh, in Scouts Plus okay. uh, and that's uh, they have uh, a folk music program and like all everything from like the, a thing called Endelig Belg which is like a very accordion focused like slash dance club thing so it's like accordion music a concert and then afterwards followed by that's more world music focused they have uh, Blue Club uh, run by the the woman who's the lead singer in Valkyrian All Stars uh tuva and that's yeah, yeah. that's like always a, like a folk music uh artist that's like programmed and then afterwards like a really cool dance party that's like it's weird it'll be like a dj sometimes playing folk music or sometimes stuff with the same rhythm and then people doing the actual norwegian folk that's dance cool. to it so oh, it's like cool. it's like the weirdest club you've ever been to man <laughs> so that was, uh, that was the oh, first concert cool. i went to when i uh after moving to Oslo, it was valkyrie and all-stars okay and, um Rockefeller, yeah, and so I remember Komiem. Uh, it was uh, that song stuck out yeah. in my mind. Uh, there were ser- several other good ones, but uh, yeah. yeah, my wife and I went to that. It was a really good show. There was a really, really nice little scene too at the Rockefeller. They they bring in some good talent. Yeah, I yeah. mean, like world level too. And it's that's what's crazy about it. It's all over the place. Like you never know who they're going to be booking in <laughs> yeah. next. You know. It's really cool in that way. Yeah, you often see that because they have the Rockefeller Centrum Siena, mm. and I think Spectrum, maybe. John, or, John or, Yeah, they're or, all the, kind of John, right. John Dee is the same as Rockefeller. Yeah. No. no. Anyway, okay. there's three venues that are owned kind of by the same, mm. and they're all kind of different sizes. Centrum Siena, I think it's medium, Rockefeller's the smallest one, and then Spectrum. Might be Spectrum, any one, the bigger one. Yeah. So there's kind of like a few, and you do, you're right, Caleb, you really do get, I think now after Corona, I'm seeing it more, some like, oh, it's so, talent. it's so cool that cool. Corona's over, like the, the booking <laughs> oh, for venues right? in town. It was like, uh, I, I, I'm now, amazing. Just, like, it's, it's back to normal, yes. So good. I what bet, do you mean I a bet. band from the US is coming? <laughs> what? <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> I bet you guys are like, all right. Yeah. We remember how to do this. They're going to let us do it. You know, like letting the horse <laughs> out of the chute kind of thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 Right. But speaking of that, we're on a hard stop here because you've got a gig tonight. So, yes, sir. Yeah. We need to that, get, uh, we have, let's a few talk about that. Buster Sledge, the band. Yes. Awesome. What do you guys got going on? Um, we're, we're putting out an EP um, on cassette. Ooh. That's right, folks. You remember cassettes, they're, they're yeah. back. And um, vinyl? Um, no, not, the EP is not on vinyl. We have our second album on vinyl, though. Cool. So vinyls can be purchased at our gig at Riksenen on the 20th of October mm. in in Skousplatz in Oslo. We should, uh, we'll write that down. We might see if we're re- able to come down and oh, yeah. join have a beer. That'd be so great. Yeah, so it's there that we'll be releasing our, our EP. And uh, the idea is that uh, so often we're selling merch and... People come to the merch case and they're like, oh, I'll buy a CD. I don't have a CD player, but I really want to support the band. And anyways, it's a nice thing to have something physical and and I'll just hold it while I stream from Spotify. And so my attitude is like, uh, well, yeah, well, you might as well have a VHS tape or something <laughs> yeah, if you're just cool. going to hold it in your hands. So. Do you have a camp? You want a camcorder too? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've got a piano. I've got this one on piano roll. <laughs> so... Uh, you know, the town that I moved from, Springfield, Missouri, is mm. actually one of the few places in the world that still makes, there's a company there, and I, there, it pops up periodically, and actually they've done a documentary on this. It's one of the few places that makes the tape for uh, cassette tapes. Oh, yeah. I think there's like maybe four or something in yeah. the, the country, maybe the world, I don't know. 
Probably not the world. Maybe it's the country, <laughs> but not very many. Yeah, because it, I mean, it's obviously, a, it's probably unfortunately not a, a dying moment. medium. Uh, it's it's mm. just, but it, it's coming back because it's like these things. It's like <laughs> it, it it is. It's like vinyl. Like I I never I had cassettes. I used to buy cassettes in the nineties, and I used to record my own mixtapes on yeah. cassette. And then when they died and it went to CD, I'm like, well, that's never coming back. And it's like a kind of part of me is kind of like it's a bit of a novelty thing. Right. And nostalgia. And the nostalgia. And- kind of. But I feel like my vinyl might have more, a little bit more expensive, but has, has more of a, that's like had a real comeback. You know, people are buying. I think the human brain, vinyl. you know, operates in the physical world and physical formats for listening, be it concerts or playing music yourself or um or using yeah something something physical uh holding the object reading through the pamphlet inside of the thing uh, i mean i think i think there's something even though there's so much convenience from streaming platforms and stuff and and everyone gets to enjoy those things and um i mean i, I really think that it's not a purely nostalgia based thing it is some nostalgia of course mm-hmm. but uh but i think people like um like i can imagine like uh electronic uh like uh, ebooks and stuff replacing physical books to a certain extent but i can't ever imagine like uh the uh it would have to happen over a very long period of time like the same amount of period of time that the medium presented itself in the first place and like it's kind of like the save icon is a floppy disk but most of the people clicking that button today never held a floppy disk at all it's like (laughs) such a bizarre thing (laughs) yeah like paperback sales are higher than yeah. ebooks are, you know, and ebooks have been there for a long time now. So it's like, mm, yeah. I think you, there's a real meaning behind people kind of like having that physical. And you get to have them on your shelf and you get thing. to, I'm yeah, one of those people. You play them for yourself and for your friends. There's a lot of different reasons. I can't remember this for a cassette tape, but I can tell you, I can remember CD, right? You open it up and I, I can see it in my mind, man. It's the black album. Yeah, you pull out the, the little insert or leaflet or whatever it's called, and it's got the lyrics in there. Mm-hmm. It tells, Absolutely, you know, it's, it's just something about it, you know. And 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 Spotify and these things are great. It's it's very convenient if you're on a commute, you know. It, yeah, it doesn't need to it's go convenient. away. Yeah, so more power to you with this whole cassette release. That's awesome. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> we're only I, printing you know, fifty, so bring 50. all your friends. We've got to get in line. <laughs> we, go, we will have to be quick, otherwise it will be gone. So, Sam, we'll have a nostalgia weekend. I'll come over. We'll play Mario Kart on sixty four, and we'll crank the cassette. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've got a cassette player, man. We're going to have to buy, we're gonna buy a cassette player. <laughs> oh, that's true. I, I didn't think about that. Yeah, that's going to be an issue. <laughs> anyway, Mike, it's been yeah, fantastic uh, talking to you. Yeah. We need to let you go because you've got a gig to go to. Yeah, i got to get to my gig. Yeah. Wow, yeah, you guys so, are punctual. Uh, yeah. Capital P. <laughs> period. After the fact. Yeah. <laughs> that's one thing we, we try and be. <laughs> but yeah. thank you for coming to chat with us. It's yeah, been, uh, been a pleasure, pleasure to get to know you a bit better and we hope to see a bit more of you and come see you play live that'd be awesome yeah and yeah. i guess we should get a beer sometime absolutely that seems to be a like a theme here very can strong i get in theme. on that strong yeah, theme yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah definitely with this podcast it's only because we're in a library that we don't have beers in front of us right now yeah, yeah, props, yeah. props to a uh, biodvika bibliotech for thanks again uh, allowing yeah. us in uh, keeping again. us sober yeah keeping us sober. <laughs> <laughs> <And> now <laughs> Pious and sober. That's us, right, Sam, every day. Sure. Why not? (laughs) That's us. Um, The 20th of October, big night here in Oslo. If you're in town, come check out Buster Sledge. These guys, American and some Norwegians, jamming. uh, Got some great tunes. And, of course, keep watching Spotify for them. And also Sam and Caleb will be back with you guys here shortly.
Cheers, guys.